0: Ain't this what they been waiting for? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You ready? You ready? You ready? We're going to the uh, Super Bowl. You listen like to the bank to statement. Like this, so like Dave Costa. Like this, so Alex Cal. What up? Live up. here in Center City for the Bank Statement Episode 2. Alex, how you feeling today, man?
1: Um, if there was a cloud 10, I'd be on it. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. I'll stick on cloud nine. Yeah, that's just how I feel. We're going to
0: the Super Bowl, Philadelphia. How many times in your life have you said that sentence before? Once. Well, I mean, I've said the sentence a bunch, but it's only happened one other time. And I wasn't even remotely close to this excited because I was 12 and I didn't understand what it meant. And sitting here about, what, 10-ish years later? No, 15. 15, yeah. 15 years later. It's the best feeling in the world. It's cool at this age. It is cool at this age. It's different. It's less of the kid in the candy store and it's more of the Wow. I'm watching a bunch of grown men accomplish something incredible for a city that we all love. And it's it's been pretty powerful to watch all year and Nick Foles shocked the world on Sunday. And the best game I've ever been to in my life, and I'm assuming yours is the same, but that was unbelievable, especially that first half. Yeah, two games now on my docket. Been to two Eagles games now. Congrats to you. Yeah, you're almost a real
1: fan. I'm undefeated. <laughs> you are undefeated. I'm undefeated. Or so we have to
0: get you season tickets.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking I might go to every game for the rest of my life. You have to.
0: We'll be undefeated as well forever. But I think we can do that even if I don't go. Dude, can we talk about a moment on Sunday? So we're sitting there, we're in section 120, we we get to the stadium, there's all this stuff. By the way, we were sitting there and there was no negativity towards Vikings fans at all. Um, It was almost borderline insulting. Like some people yelled at a few and just a normal road fan, you know, coming into a home stadium type vibe, but nothing crazy. And it was the most unbelievable feeling. Let's set the stage because we come out. I looked at you, we looked at both teams, and I was like, the Eagles are loose, man. They had Meek Mill going, they were loose, they were fired up, they're ready to go. And you look over and you see Minnesota, and they're ready to play, like, the most serious football game yeah. they've ever played in their lives. And it, you, you think the game's over at that point.
1: It was pretty evident. It was actually kind of – It was maybe we were just in the mindset that Minnesota sucks and we're the best team ever, and that's probably part of it. But if you looked at both sides of the stadium and both teams warming up, they had the music playing. You look at Minnesota – They're running the routes. They have like the whole team doing an organized stretch drill. Yeah. And they're throwing passes, and the guys are kind of like bobbling them while they catch them. And then you look at our side, and you got Mac Collins with no gloves on, pulling balls down with one hand and bobbing his head. Yeah. And you got all the guys in the end zone doing their thing, and that's just indicative of our team. That's our
0: style. The running backs are freaking out. They're dancing. The, you know, secondaries like vibing over there on the sidelines, like ready to go. Nick Foles was toe tapping a little bit. Yeah. And he was, he had some zip on his ball. like, yeah. You never see him really do that. He always kind of throws a duck even when he plays well, but not on Sunday, not in warmups. And then the game starts and the building is juiced, and the game starts in the worst way possible. Case Keenum drives right down the field. We can't stop the run, and he hits Kyle Rudolph. Also, I have to eat some crow here. I made a mistake last week. Um, Kyle Rudolph is active. I was thinking about Zach Miller, so um, my bad to the fans out there. Um, <laughs> he looked at me when he caught the touchdown and we were both like yeah he's definitely playing. Yeah, should we retract that last podcast yeah we should probably pull it down mm. Ugh, that's my bad um, <laughs> right. but you, you felt it you looked at the sideline the, the players were shocked the fans were shocked Minnesota had their one shining moment in that entire game and they felt like they were going to stall their ways mm-hmm. throughout Philadelphia and um Then the whole thing flipped on a dime, you know?
1: Yeah. They had about seven, eight, I'll give them them eight and a half minutes of the first quarter that they had where we weren't shook, but we weren't feeling good. And then all of a sudden, a pick six happens, and the entire game changes. Maybe not even, because there was a moment, I mean, the fumble is a huge moment from Case Keenum that goes overlooked. We're only up 14-7. They were on, what, our 16-yard line in the red zone, and the fumble happened, and that was the real moment when it just became, all right, this is our game for the rest of the
0: game. And for the rookie to step up there, too, that's huge. Yeah. You got Derek Barnett coming off the edge, making the play of – really the play of his career, and it's his first season, right? Like, not to overstate – obviously, he's a rookie. It's a play of his career to this point, but I don't – I mean, if that's the biggest play he's ever made as an Eagle, I'll take it. (laughs) Like, that's a huge play. Like, that's – he's earned – everything a first-round draft pick is entitled to in his first season already. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I think that was one of the moments
1: we thought about, too, when we were in there is just think of all the guys we we brought in this offseason. We brought in him. We brought in Patrick Robinson. Yeah. Look what he did. We brought in LeGarrette Blunt. We brought in Chris Long. Look what they did. All these new guys that came in in this offseason. Darby, who didn't get credit for that pick, but basically picked that one ball. Yeah, at
0: the end of the game. Yeah. Well, Third quarter. I think it was the end of the third quarter, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And Patrick Robinson, that guy has silently gone about his business all season long. And that interception is probably going to go down. It's one of the most iconic moments um, in Philadelphia sports history because that building was shaking. There's a video out there. People in Deptford, New Jersey, could hear us singing fly eagles fly like three miles away do you see that you can hear you can hear loud and clear in the video the stadium just shaking man and it was it was one of the coolest things to be a part of and i'm just glad we got to be there and i couldn't be more excited about us going to the super bowl and it's kind of a shame in some ways that we only have one more game with this team Um, but they've they've given us a special ride all year and i'm excited to to see what they have to come um, today we're going to do a couple things. So we're going to mix up the format a little bit. Uh, we're going to go through a couple key questions throughout the show. Obviously we're going to throw a little Freddy's belt in there. Um, I called bank. We think was a very big success from last week if we're going to give ourselves a little pat on the back there. Um, we got to spotlight. Another Philadelphia sports team. Um, give you a little hint. It was Australian night last year for one of the teams in the city. Um, And then we got to be a little bit critical and go through some of our concerns as Philadelphia sports fans um, in general and as well for the Eagles here in the next couple weeks. So I want to kick it off to you, Alex. Um, Obviously, going to the game on Sunday was incredible for both of us. One of the best experiences I think we've ever had. Um, What are the top three sporting events you've ever been a part of in your life? Have you ever been to?
1: I think that's definitely an appropriate question. Given the circumstance, I mean, just being in there and just looking around. I mean, I thought I felt it during the Falcons game, and I definitely did. So, if we're, it's kind of crazy, man. I didn't think anything would top that Falcons game and just the emotions. How cur- it's crazy to think of how different the Falcons game and the Vikings were. I mean, two incredible experiences, but for so many different reasons. So, we're at the Falcons game and we're on pins and needles the entire time. There's that sense of worry in the back of your head. Worry might
0: not be the word, but There's
1: no comfort throughout
0: it. No, and the entire, you could, it was palpable throughout the stadium that there was a sense of angst just throughout, like, when is the other shoe going to drop? We're dealing with Nick Foles. Is Nick Foles going to, like, ruin this game for us? Is the defense really going to step up? Is Julio Jones just going to kill us all day long and just, you know, score that touchdown at the end? Take three shots of Julio Jones inside the 10-yard line you're going to score, right? Like, you think that's going to happen. And the other shoe just didn't drop. Yeah, and the team stepped up. To your point, it's completely different on Sunday. Completely. Yeah. Different. Fast
1: forward a week, and it's 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 a party in that stadium. It was an absolute party. I mean, I was telling some people when that pick six happened, I we were in our a section. I mean, the whole stadium erupted. I just looked around at our section. There was beers flying in the air. It was a complete riot. I mean. We started jumping around. I lost my mind. Next thing you know, I ended up like six rows in front of us. Yeah. I look <laughs> back, you're like two sections over to the left. Our buddy Steve, who we were with, had like a broken ankle. Like we didn't know what happened no. when that pick six happened. It was a straight party in there. So two completely different games, crazy in their own right. But I got to put that in it. So if we're talking top three, I'm not going to say, well, that's maybe number four or five. Now that's that's in the top The three. Falcons was? Uh, the Vikings was. The Vikings was okay. The Vikings, Where, where's basically. the
0: Vikings rank in your top three? Mm. You got to give us an order. You can't just go top three straight. You know what
1: um. I mean? Can I put it? Can I have a number three and then a one A and a one B? Sure. Because
0: that's gonna be. I wh- think it's a little cheap. I think. You, actually, you know What? No. You gotta go. You gotta go one, two, three.
1: Oh man, I can't decide. That's even
0: close, but you gotta go one, two, three.
1: Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it number one.
0: Okay. I'm going to give
1: it number one. Given the implications, given the fact that Nick Foles uh, looked like Tom Brady out there, I, I I mean, that game was nuts, start to finish. It was one of those where you would think towards the end with a blowout like that, it gets boring, but now when, when the trophy ceremony happened, even after we were glued to our seats, we didn't want to leave that building. No. I was
0: mad that we did leave as early as we did, but it's cool. <laughs> I'm not going to be upset.
1: Well, so I, the number one sporting event of my life happened last week. That was number one. That's a big thing to to admit. Not you? That's pretty awesome. Not number one for you? I'm not giving mine
0: yet. I'm next.
1: Okay. All right. Number two. I'll give number three first. We
0: can't confuse the people, man.
1: (laughs) I'll give number three because it's a little offbeat of the podcast, so I'll go through it quick, but um, as you guys may remember from last week, I'm an alumni of South Carolina. Uh, We had some really good football years while I was there. I was uh, in the same class as Jadavion Clowney. So I came in with him. I didn't go out with him. He got to leave a little earlier than I did. But um, mm-hmm. we had a game uh, where we came in ranked number five. We played number three Georgia with College Game Day. What a huge day on campus and everything. Can and make it, a sign. Uh, I didn't go to Game Day. Uh- because okay. uh, we were hosting some, some guys from UGA, and um, game day starts early, man, a little too early for me on those type of things. It is pretty early. And we had a night game for that game. Brent Musburger on the call, you are looking live okay. at Williams-Brice Stadium. And uh, very similar to the Eagles-Vikings in that we were underdogs at home in that game, and we ended up pulling it out 35-7. to So not as much of a beatdown, but pretty close. They played nearly a perfect game, and that was... One of those moments where we came out the next week, third in the country, electric campus. Everything was nuts. I'll never forget that game. That game was wild. That's crazy. So that would be number three. Number two, though, I got to kick it back to 2008, a moment I'll never forget in the playoff run for the Phillies. I didn't get to go to any of the World Series games, but I went to one NLCS game and one NLDS game, and the NLDS game stands out. Did you go to the Shane
0: Victorino? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
1: The I'll bomb? never forget I'll never forget, man. Brett Myers comes to play. We're playing CeCe Sabathia, who... On the Brewers. On the Brewers. Yeah. Who was still, at the time, a top pitcher in baseball, and the Phillies owned
0: him. They just traded for him, too, right? He was like a mid-season acquisition. Was that the year, or was he a mid-season acquisition a little bit before that?
1: I can't remember. Because he was on Cleveland. He was on Cleveland, then the Brewers, and then I think Yankees. Those are the only three he's done. Right. But we own him every time. We did. He, yeah. can't, he can't. The Phillies are CC Sabathia's crypt tonight. But that game, Brett Myers steps to the plate with two runners on, and he had about a 16 pitch at bat where he ended up walking, and he fouled off everything. And every ball he fouled off, the crowd got louder yeah. and louder because it's Brett Myers at the dish, and all we're looking to do, I think it was the first inning or the second inning, and he's just getting the pitch count up. So that's all we're thinking of. And then he drew the walk. And the place goes nuts. And then Victorino steps up and just steps cranks up, one. Cranks one. Right arm in the air as he rounds first base. That was my background on my computer for
0: years. <laughs> that game was unreal. I was with my dad during that game. And Shout out to amazing. Cole Hamels, by the way. He was at the Sixers game last night. Um, I was down there, and he got a, a nice standing ovation. Nice. Always got love for Cole. Oh, yeah. It's pretty crazy. So you go NFC Championship 1. You go Phillies 08, NLDS the Victorino Grand Slam two, mm-hmm. um, and then number three South Carolina yeah. and Georgia. Those are those are pretty solid three. Uh, I'm going to start with number three for myself. It was the 08 game where we clinched the um, the division, actually. So we clinched the NL East. Um, obviously, it was the year after 07, right, the first time we make the playoffs. And there was just a sense that we were going to do something special that year. And that was kind of the start of it. So that was a, a great moment to be a part of. I'll never forget that um, the vibe in those stadiums for those years were crazy, man. That was a place to be. You had those towels going and mm-hmm. no other Philly – Sports team fan base really embrace the towels the way the Phillies do, mm-hmm. but there's nothing those like aerial it. shots of the whole arena and yeah. all you see is the white flurries. There's nothing like it. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever I've ever been a part of. Um, those days are they're they're coming back. Phillies are on the right path. Um, yeah, they are on the right path. I mean, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Come to life. Twenty twenty. We know you're listening. Mike Trout. Um, he picked the Eagles. Um, so that was number three. Number two for me was easily game six of the Flyers' Stanley Cup run back hey. in 2010. Is that the uh, Bruins? Yeah, the Bruins. You were there? I was there. So they're down 3-0 um, in the series, and you know they win that one game. Then they win game two. And all of a sudden, the city kind of gets this swagger back about it. It's like, we're going to do this. Um, my dad comes home one day and he's like, Hey, I got us tickets. And I was like, no way I was. <laughs> stoked. And I've never as loud as Sunday was. And you know how loud Sunday was. I've never heard a building louder than that. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's There's got a roof. a roof on it and it's, it's crazy loud in there when people get juiced and that game was unbelievable. Um, so that was number two for me and number one, has gotta be Sunday um patrick robinson's interception was the number one moment of my life and i think i told you from a sports perspective and i think i told you (laughs) (laughs) i've had some bad things um but not many though but uh, i think i told you like even if carson played on sunday when you think about how great of a game nick Foles played if carson wentz was our quarterback sunday it nothing would have gone better it only could have gone worse because he was perfect Nick Foles was outrageous. That no-look pass he threw. The dime Tory Smith that he dropped. The dime on the flea flicker. When he threw that, I thought it was an interception. He threw it, and I'm like, ah, like he just chucked one up, and it's going to get picked. Perfect ball. Perfect ball. Um, he was just unreal. He was another level, and I really, really, really gained a lot of respect for him, and he made me really confident going into next week. So you know, those are my top three, and that's good. I I wouldn't trade him either. I I I'm reluctant to have the conversation
1: of what would have happened with Carson Wentz in there, because I I just I love the man so much, and I really feel for him right now. Yeah. And there's got to be a lot going on in his, in his head. I mean, for it, there's no better guy in the world, and he's he's handling everything perfectly. But you know, there's got to be human nature. There's got to be that part of him that's just like oh.
0: Well, there's no— I want to be out there. For sure. You got to. But at the same time, I don't say that in an aura of disrespect towards Carson Wentz. I say that out of full respect for Nick Foles, Um, knowing the type of player Carson Wentz is, knowing the type of player even like a Tom Brady was. I don't think there's—my point is, I don't think there's any quarterback that you put under center on Sunday, last week, that could have had a better game than Nick Foles— um, I think he, That's fair. he played everything perfect. I think that was my point more than anything, because I agree with you. I mean, it sucks. I was thinking about that today. It's uh, I was listening to Teddy Bruschi. He was talking to NFL Live, and he was like, there's something about when you miss a big game like that, you just feel like you're not a part of it. Even if you were the starting quarterback for 13 weeks, it's like, am I really a part of this team anymore? Yeah. And he's got to be sitting there watching them have, like, all this fun and um, just be thinking to himself, like, man, I wish I was out there. But –
1: you just, you just got to hope he knows what the rest of us know is that th- this is all possible because of him. And I hope he remembers that every day is that none none of all this jubilation, broad street party and everything, it's, it's a direct result of everything he did carrying us this whole season.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to talk about the future too, too much because we still got a game to play next week. And you know what? As much as going to the Super Bowl is incredible and it's only happened twice in my lifetime and... All this that, and the other thing, there's still a game to play next week and this will be a special season regardless, but we gotta get that ring, man. We gotta get that ring. I think we're gonna do it I do too. Uh, we'll fully break down that game next week, but um, those are some great events. there's some great memories. and I think we need to chalk up the next segment here to one Freddie Mitchell who made that great run, that great catch, I should say, in that NFC championship, NFC championship excuse me, in that, um, I think it was a wild, what was that, the wild card or was that divisional? It was the Packers game, right? Yeah, it was a, I that's think a wild card. It, yeah. Yeah, and then they played, and he scored two touchdowns in the divisional against Minnesota, mm. um, and then obviously the Falcons there. But Freddie Mitchell, um, Freddie's belt is an award that we're going to give out weekly to a standout individual in the community. <laughs> Um, for the week. Kind of like our winner of the week, but we're going to give him Freddie's belt. So, Alex, who do you got getting Freddie's belt for this week?
1: Um, I think there's a million different picks on this one this week. Um, There's few people failing us in the community. I mean, you can say... If you wanted to go off the beaten path and just give a shout out to Ben Simmons for having a triple double in 22 minutes, you could go that route. On but Australian I want to keep on Australian night. So you knew he was going to show out first, uh, for first country, yeah. his nation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a, a, a bland pick here, but uh, I don't. I'm not one to really speak on a coaching staff unless I'm downplaying them, and I got to give it up to. I got to give it up to Jim Schwartz. Okay. And I say that because, I mean, they gave up a quick drive in the beginning. But in, in thinking about that and looking back, I mean, when you give a team the ball to begin a game, everything is scripted. The first 15 plays of every game are mapped out. And so if there's ever – so they came out, they had their first 15 scripted, they executed to perfection. They, they put a little worry in our stomachs on that drive. But then what? How many points
0: did they score after that? Zero. Zero. How about that stat? The past two games, the second half of the past two playoff games, one against Matty Ice, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, and the second one against, you know, the Vikings are no, they're, they're not a slouch no. on offense. Yeah, no. Shut them out.
1: They got a handful of pro bowlers, but the, I, 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 I got to go Jim Schwartz because of the fact that he interviewed for that Giants job. And who'd they give the job to? They gave it to Pat Shermer. They gave it to Pat Shermer. So this matchup was personal for him. <laughs> he wanted to send a message, and if there's anybody
0: that should be worried more than anything, it's the Giants. I'm so excited that they have him. That's that's an off-season show, but I could not be more ecstatic that they got yeah. him. I saw like rumors of Bill Belichick swirling, all this stuff, like the Giants, and I'm like, they're going to get Schwartz, they're going to get Belichick, they're going to get somebody great. They end up with Pat Shermer. How boring is that? So yeah. I, I like I like Jim Schwartz there. I'm gonna stick with the coaching staff, and I gotta give it up to Doug Peterson. Like I know that's pretty obvious, but I don't think there's a lot of accolades going down, rightly so for the defense for Schwartz. For Schwartz, Schwartz. He is for swore, uh, he is swole. he really is. He got yeah. there. He's got that presence yeah. on the sideline. Jay Ajayi, uh, Alshon Jeffrey had his biggest game of his career. Um, really. Yeah. But Doug Peterson got this team ready to play. He's gotten this team ready to play every single week, and he could not have called a more perfect game plan that that game, the NFC Championship game. I mean, to call a flea flicker <laughs> to start the third quarter up the way they were is one of the most disrespectful, most satisfying play calls I've ever seen from any coach yeah. in Philadelphia yeah. and they executed perfection and he lets this team be themselves and I think there's something to be said for that because Brandon Grant's been on this team for years Fletcher Cox has been on this team for years Finney Curry's been on this team for years Nick Foles was starting quarterback in 2013 um, yeah sure. Zach Ertz's been on this team for years and yeah there's merit to the fact that yeah there's some new guys coming in here and I love what Howie Roseman has done if you follow us on Twitter at the bank statement Um, Actually, at the Bank PHL, excuse me. You know I love what Howie Roseman's done. I can't get enough of it. We're going to do an entire show on Howie Roseman just because it's unbelievable how many moves he's hit a home run on. But Doug Peterson, the difference, I I think, to me, in my opinion, is that these guys are being themselves. They're okay to quote Brian Dawkins go out there and act a fool before the game. They're not just stretching. They're jamming out and they're stretching. And that's Doug Peterson, man. He's letting that happen and he's scripting perfect game plans to overcome Sproles. Peters Wentz forget even you know Jordan Hicks and I love Jordan Hicks I don't want to downplay Jordan Hicks but those three guys in particular the most important three guys in your entire offense yeah gone and what do you do you go and put up 30 something points against the number one defense in the NFL yeah and the way he talked about
1: it too I mean he's, he's calculated to go back to what you said about the flea flicker I mean there were two there were two great points about it Doug at the at when when he talked about it I mean he didn't do it for no reason he didn't do it to have fun cuz we were up he, he you know he saw something in the defense it's not just a call you make as a novelty it's a call because you see the way they're handling the run. You see the way they're handling the pass. And he saw something. He said, I'm, I'm not going to just make that call for no reason. I made that call because I
0: saw something and I knew it was going to work. Yeah. And the trust you have in Nick Foles to make that call too. to know. Did that you hear what Nick Foles said about it? He's never run a flea flicker in his mm-hmm. life? Yeah. He's like, I've never run it. He was
1: super pumped. And yeah. Did it. And yeah. They said, what was the hardest awesome. part about that play? And he said, I was just trying not to smile at the line of <laughs> scrimmage because I had never done it before. I was so excited. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> Try
0: not to smile. That guy's such a goof though. I love yeah. him, but he's a group. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Make some noise. <laughs> he's good people. Let me ask you something. Who's the most underrated Eagles player to this point in the season? Most underrated? Yeah. Um. Well,
1: I think we're a very educated fan base, so we do a good job at giving everybody their due diligence. So it's hard to underrate people because we go all the way to, you know, the special teams line. Kamu, J yeah. yeah. Hill. Seriously, everybody gets their their shout out. But Norma's, yeah. I mean, maybe most underrated, Masters. maybe the one who hasn't been talked about as much. He is getting some love now after last week's game, and he's going to be a big a focal point in the Super Bowl. But um, Mr. Long. Chris Long. Chris Long.
0: He's you know, a big play, Chris. You know, he's been so solid all year long, and his leadership is something you you really can't, you, you can't account for that on the stat sheet. But I think it's something that has taken us to new heights. I completely agree with you. And he's playing the season for free.
1: Yeah, he's playing for free, and he makes huge plays. He forces fumbles. He recovers fumbles. He does, he does it at the biggest moments and makes the biggest plays. And to do it the way he's done it, kind of under the radar – I would I would say he would be the most underrated. I don't think anybody out there has ever downplayed him or said he wasn't having a good season, but he did fly under the radar in the grand scheme of things. He and did. He's an absolute beast. He's been a
0: monster. Former number 1 overall pick too, if I'm not mistaken, of mm. the uh the Rams. He was a top pick, yeah. which is which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have that much success there and went to New England. Bill Belichick even said like, "Hey, he's better off in Philly. He fits their scheme a little bit better and" Uh, That's a great one. I think that's awesome. Two straight Super Bowls for him after not going to the playoffs his entire career. He's going to join elite company. Uh, I think there's only like two players in NFL history that have repeated as Super Bowl champions with different teams. Um, Deion Sanders is one, and I forget who the other one is, but there's only two. Um, And there's two guys in the Eagles that have a chance to do it this year. Here's mine. Let me give you some stats to to begin mine. These are the... um, These are the stats from Sunday's game for two of the guys in our secondary. Jalen Mills, seven targets, two catches on him for 15 yards, and he had one pass breakup. Ronald Darby, nine targets, four catches for 40 yards, two pass breakups, and one of them should have been an interception. In the second half of Sunday's game, Mills and Darby allowed one catch for four yards combined. Neither of the two corners allowed a reception greater than 12 yards, and they were playing some good guys. They got Thielen, and they got Diggs going up against them. Here's the thing, though. They've gotten credit all year long. Everybody's talking. Jalen Mills is one of my favorite players on the defense, right? The green monster. Goblin. The green goblin. Come on, man. Sorry. It's all good. So (laughs) he's getting credit all year long. Finger (laughs) wagging. Ronald Darby. Everybody's all hyped on Darby because you traded Jordan Matthews for him, who, by the way. Jordan who? Exactly. Who's the guy we're not talking about? PR. PR. Patrick Robinson has silently been one of the most influential players on that defense, if for no other reason, because he frees up Malcolm Jenkins. Because now Malcolm Jenkins doesn't have to come down and be that slot corner. Patrick Robinson's that guy. And Patrick Robinson changed that game on Sunday because, I'll be honest, as much as we dominated after that play, if that play doesn't happen, I don't know that we win that game. That was a franchise-defining play. Yeah, from a guy that gets not as much love as he should. From a guy that, if we're being honest, eighty percent of the fan base wanted to cut.
1: We were. He was getting a lot of hate in training camp. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a chance to go to training camp or to see any of the live practices or anything. But all reports said the one guy
0: with red flags was Patrick Robinson. Yeah, and he even said he's like, I'm not giving my best. Like, I don't know what's going on. And. Everybody, you call on ninety-seven-five. You're like, yeah, like Patrick. Let's cut this bum. We can't draft. We can't get good corners in here. And not only do we have three good corners, we have five. Yeah. I don't know what we're gonna do at that position for next year. We really gotta talk about that. But he's my guy because I just think you just look at this defense. You look at what they're able to do. The way they're able to. I don't know if you notice this. They put Malcolm Jenkins in that linebacker a lot on Sunday uh, because Najee Good really didn't. He was not so good. Yeah. He really was not that great. He, <laughs> not, not so decent. Not so decent. But he like he missed a couple plays early, and they pretty much pulled him, and they said, yo, we need you to step up. Yeah, Janet the came. touchdown was on him. and he could, Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's wide open there. So um, it's been a great ride. Yeah. We've got one more game to go. It's been one hell of a ride, and I yeah. can't wait to see what next week has for us. It's time for one of our favorite segments here in our young life as a show. It's going to be called I Called Banks. So once again, for those of you who don't remember, we're going to deposit some uh, checks into our bank account for next week. Kind of like hot takes of where we see the team, where we see different teams in the city, different predictions we have. I'm going to play a little bit of last week's I Called Banks segment because one of us hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Opposite from what you just said, I think Nick Foles for sure goes over 300 yards tomorrow. I don't even think it's even close, and I think he balls out and has three touchdowns. (laughs) Wow! 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 Bang! Bang. All right, I'll give it to you, Dave. I call bang. I'll give it to you. I call bang. You called it. That was my I call bang from last week. I did miss on a lot. I mean, clearly, I thought Rudolph was no longer like in the NFL. <laughs> uh, and he clearly yeah. was playing. I pretty much said Alshon Jeffrey is not a number one wide receiver, and he, all he did on Sunday was go out there and pretty much say "F you, Dave." I am a number one wide receiver. Yeah, you made it personal. I did, and I'm really glad I did. However, I retract everything. What he did Sunday is 100% what a number one wide receiver does. But I nailed that. I call back. We did. Um, and you nailed one too. I don't know if you remember what you nailed. You nailed one under at the game though, not on the show.
1: Yeah, I, on the show, I I did not call bank. Goose, I threw up a brick hard off the side of the backboard.
0: Looked like Mark called folds.
1: I said that there was going to be a total of five picks in the game. Yeah, at least two from each. Uh, what were there? Two or there was there was two. There was two, both, both from uh, Case, yeah. both from Case. So. He tried to hold up his end of the bargain, but Nick Foles was like, "Uh uh-uh. Yeah. Not going to be able to do that for you, Nicky
0: Franchise. Yeah,
1: so shout-out to Nick for proving me wrong.
0: So I I threw a brick. What did I call at the game, though? Uh, So we got a first down. I think we were Mm. tied at 7. We get a first down at the 11-yard line, and I'm— You were complaining. I'm sitting here being overcritical, and I'm like, yo, I don't like that we got a first down at the 11. I wish we got a first down at either, like, the 13 or, like, the 5. And you're like, dude— don't worry about it. I love it. You know why? I was like, why? Like Blunt force trauma right here from the 11-yard line. And what did he do? First He put play. a man on his tail, and he ran one in for a touchdown. It was great on the first place. I did call back on that. I called back on that. You deposited a check on that. Yeah. Yes, you did. So, I call bank for this week. A little tough. There's no Eagles game this week, but what are you calling bank on this week?
1: Um, I have an uh, off-the-field I call bank, and so a lot of people are talking about the treatment that Eagles fans are going to get in Minnesota, and so that's going to start coming up this week. I know the game is is um, a little over a week away, but we're going to start funneling out there uh, in droves, as we do as Philadelphia fans. and. Uh, A lot of the talk is that they're saying that the Uber drivers are going to pick up Eagles fans and drop them off at the wrong location. They're saying they're going to give us a hard time because, you know, we treated them this way, that way and the other. Uh, I'm going to call bank that quite the opposite is going to happen. I have a feeling and this is based off what I saw in our section at the game that the bulk of Vikings fans the vast majority are actually going to be pulling for the Eagles I think they're going to be on our side and I say that because uh, as the game started to wind down and Vikings fans started to clear out of the section getting ready for us to to celebrate full on full out um, a lot of them went out with their heads high and they high-fived a lot of Eagles fans on their way out and I heard a lot of Good luck next week. Beat the Patriots next week. Go get it next week. And I feel like, you know, maybe the press and, and all the news and everything shows the, the negative side of the interactions between the two fan bases. But I think overall, my call bank is that Vikings fans are going to be in full support for the Eagles. And we're going to start to hear that and learn more about that as, as time goes by.
0: Skull! Skull. falls, falls, falls. Yeah. Dude, I hate Skull. I like that. I really do, because I, I agree. I don't think... I don't think this fan base has it in them to do what they're saying. I mean, they said they were coming in here and taking over Philly, and what was that, 10 people on the Rocky steps put a towel on our guy? Bad move, by the way. It was a very bad. It's very distasteful. It's the most distasteful thing that happened. I mean, I'm not going to say that we didn't do anything distasteful, not us personally, but, like, as a fan base. But, like, don't come in here and do that. That's no. just not a good look. Here's my call, Bank. It's going to be from another team in the city. So the Philadelphia 76ers, we're trusting the process. They have one, two, three, four, five, six games next week against the following teams. The Spurs, the Thunder, the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, and the Pacers. My eye-call bank is that the Sixers go 5-1 and one and continue this stretch that they're on over their next six games over the next week um, and really start to build momentum as we head into the second half of the season. Um, and I think they're going to have a heck of a ride in the second half. I think this team's going to take a lot of strides um it kind of brings us to our next segment if you will we're going to talk a little bit sixers here we're going to put the spotlight on on the process um but i do think they have a good little run here for the next week or so um and go five and one that's my i called bank brought to you by um wells fargo link financial field and citizen bank ballpark unofficially unofficially for sure they don't sponsor us yeah they will maybe hopefully if you're listening, <laughs> at the bank PHL <laughs> on Facebook. Actually, not on Facebook. I'm. Re- Can I tell you what I'm really bad at? I'm really bad at social media with this stuff, because I, I disagree. I, I don't know what the handle is ever. Like every time I say it, if you listen to the last episode and this one, I'm like at the bank PHL on Twitter and Instagram. Like I gotta get better at that. So just like to make brush. it official, right now what are the handles so we are on twitter and we are on instagram at the bank phl on each one um instagram is going to be more obviously your photos twitter we're going to be taking a lot of polls um giving a lot of hot takes um and yeah so at the bank phl twitter and instagram write it down because we're gonna forget i feel like i improved i like that there's growth today that sounded nice so sixer spotlight trust the process um here they come, everybody, the Philadelphia 76ers. Clap your hands, everybody, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Go, Sixers. Boomer Bust, Alex. Markel Futz. Oh, man. <laughs> You really want to put that on me right now? You know why? I saw Markel Fultz shoot a free throw today, and I've seen seen some videos come out from the media in recent weeks, and he looks better and all this stuff, this, that, the other thing. And then I see this today, and
1: my dude, he forgot how to shoot. Yeah, I saw it too. You showed me right before we jumped on here. My man put up a free throw off the side of the backboard. (laughs) Hard. And he had, like, a Charles Barkley golf swing hitch in his free throws. Yeah, he, he wasn't only shooting from his chest. He had the ball, like, a foot and a half away from his body. It was almost like the old Shaq free throws, yeah. kind of. But he's a shooting guard.
0: Yeah. That's so. supposed to be, like, a, a scorer. They called him James Harden, they said. Consensus yeah. number, one, number one overall pick, they said. So is it too early to call him a bust?
1: Yes, but he
0: might be a bust. You know how bad this team needs him? He is the missing link. I mean, I'm at the game last night, and I'm watching, and granted, Ben went off last night. He was unbelievable. Like, triple-double, what, 22 minutes? 22 minutes. I mean, Joel did his thing. Didn't have the best game by Joel Embiid standards, but he did his thing. Um, Dario played pretty decent. Yeah, TLC, who I can't stand, showed up last night. He has been showing up. Simba sucks.
1: Simba Um, (laughs) sucks.
0: Simba sucks. You know
1: what Simba is, though? (laughs) He's a great culture guy yeah team loves
0: him he gets along with everybody on the team i couldn't be more anti a guy that has a nickname that sucks like i hate that like you're not simba like who are you you're not the next prince if anybody's simba it's ben simmons and that doesn't even make sense because simba's from africa he's not from australia and he's a lion and he's incredible and i don't know he can shoot for sure Uh, you hate simba (laughs) i love simba simba's the man Um, would you rather have
1: Simba or Nerlens Noel? Because we haven't heard anything from him, and that was the trade.
0: You know, it's a great question. Um, that's a really good question, and the reason why it's a good question is because Rashawn Holmes is on the team, and that makes Nerlens Noel pretty much irrelevant. We don't need a defensive center backing us up. Um, and he's not showing up either. But we don't really need Simba, so... No, it was kind of just a wash. I'm going to call, like... Very similar
1: six. to the... <laughs> yeah. Give me a
0: second round pick.
1: Yeah, Ricky we, Sanchez. We could use another washing machine if if we can go back and do that again and <laughs> just trade New Orleans for a washing machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's some value.
1: It's very similar to the Julio <laughs> trade. It was like you know we gave up Julio and Stauskas and we get nothing in return, and everybody's like, why did we do that? It's it's a wash. It's you know it's we it doesn't really make a difference one way or the other. Free job, free job. So
0: if you had to project Marco Fultz for the rest of the season, where do you see him? And take it one step further. Take him into next season, too.
1: I think, as far as this season goes, I mean, the fact of the matter is he's not injured. He's not injured right now. The guy has the yips. They will not put him on the court because he has the yips. You ever see those catchers in baseball that forget to throw the ball back to – how they forget how to throw the ball to the pitcher? Yeah. It's like they can hit, they can do everything, but you can't put them in the game because yeah. they just forget how to throw the ball to the pitcher. And that's, that's kind of an important part. That's what he has right now, and they're just—they won't throw him in because he, like you said, he forgot how to shoot at probably the worst possible time in, 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 in a basketball player's life, where you could forget how to shoot when you're going into the league. So the whole thought is, all right, he's healthy. If we dress him and put him out there, are we going to have him try and learn how to shoot in front of? A arena of 25,000 people and then X amount of people watching on TV it's only going to mess with his head even further mm-hmm. so if he plays this year I think it's going to be one of those they, they, they activate him right before the playoffs they give him some time at the end of the season but they barely, they barely let him play just to get him some in-game experience but
0: I see him making no impact this season It's way too early to call him a bust however it's not too early to project him to be a bust I would be shocked if Mark Fultz figured it out I'm not going to say he's a bust right now because, dude, he's number one overall pick and we're halfway through his rookie season. So for me to say that would be incredibly immature, but he reminds me a lot of Evan Turner right now. Mm. Um, It just has that feel. Like this guy just – and I would disagree with – I don't know if it's your opinion or if you're just saying what the team's going to do, but I think they need to play him. I think the only way this guy, who's got a lot of pride, who keeps saying, got something coming for you, a big surprise ahead, Mm -hmm. and doesn't give us anything but a new Instagram post letting us know what cities he's in. Yeah. um, (laughs) I think, like, that kid needs to be humbled, and the only way to humble him is to almost, like, let him play.
1: I think the fear is, do you lose him? If you you go out there and you try to
0: humble him, he's clearly mentally weak right now. What are you losing? Is he going to gain strength sitting at the foul line with nobody in the arena? It's a a psychological thing, man. He's, I mean,
1: at the end of the day, do you lose him? Because if you put him in, are you going to completely mess with his head? Maybe he's saying to them outwardly, I'm not ready to do this yet.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think like at the end of the day, it goes back to the question I just asked, though. Like, what are you actually losing? Like, what are you actually losing? The guy right now can't play the game of basketball. He can't shoot a basketball. He can't pick up a basketball. And, like, what are you you actually (laughs) – we have some technical difficulties going on (laughs) in the background right here. Shout (laughs) out, Megan. Shout out, Megan. (laughs) Um, But basically, what are you losing? Like, the guy can't shoot. He's not going to remember how to shoot out of nowhere. He's just not. And to me, even if he figures it out on a practice gym, what happens when you throw him in front of 30,000 people? What's he gonna do? He's I'm, not gonna just all of a sudden be cured. I think the only way is he needs to go out there, be embarrassed a little bit, and figure out how to shoot a basketball, remember how to do it on an actual floor in front of actual fans, and be like, dude, you're not just gonna be good because you're the number one pick. I don't and know. You gotta man. give him tough love.
1: I don't know, man. I mean, for a number one pick, you would expect a guy to be hungry and, and want and willing and wanting to do something like that. But I feel like if he went to the coaching staff and the front office right now and said, I don't care put me in this lineup, let me do my thing. I think they'd give him a chance, but
0: I I think part of it is he is personally scared. Yeah, but you hear even Brett Brown say, we need Mark Felt. They're like, what do you expect out of Mark Felt? He's like, I need him to shoot a basketball. <laughs> I need him to know how to shoot a basketball. And your coach is coming out and saying that in public. I think it speaks to the lack of focus. If you follow him on Instagram, you follow him on Snapchat, you kind of see it. He's more interested in having a good time. And, like, when you're doing well and you're Joel Embiid, you can do that. You can have a good time. Nobody's saying don't live your life, bro, but, like, I think... Tough luck. I just, that's my thing with him. If he's going to be a bust, I'd rather know now than wait two years. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing that just
1: makes it so much harder to even take in is just looking at the rest of this rookie class and how good some of these guys are playing. I mean, Jason Tatum is a monster. Laurie Markkinen, even, who is dropping yeah. 15 a game. He's, right. a stud. he's a stud. I mean, there's so many guys in this rookie class that are playing great, and we traded up to get this guy. And he's the one guy out there not doing anything. Literally. I even
0: love De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. I'm a big De'Aaron Fox guy. I was at the draft. But let's get it back to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So the final question of the day is we kind of wrap up our week of practice where you listen to guys that have been there before in the Super Bowl. They say you get like 90% of the work done this week. This is the week where they're preparing. You hear Doug say, we got 85% of the game plan done. We're going to fine-tune some things next week. What's what's your biggest area of concern? You look at the Patriots, you look at this matchup, you look at the aura and the stigma that is New England, the bravado that they walk into the stadium with, and everything that that represents. Nick Foles on our side, the vaunted Eagles defense. What are we worried about for next week as we lead up to the Super Bowl as well as the game?
1: I'm worried about our linebackers. And I watch these games, and you see, I get, I get very frustrated during the games, and it's because Jim Schwartz knows a lot more about how to play defense in the NFL than I do. But the way that we play defense is when the other team snaps the ball, we don't bump and run. We don't, we don't push guys off the line on the outside. We let the receivers take what they can get inside 10 yards and, and get it. We don't give up the big play, and we prevent the big play. And I think... That's something the Giants recognized on us earlier. They didn't beat us, but they they kind of, you know, they went up and down the field on us because they did those short passes and those short things. And when you let Tom Brady get rid of the ball quickly, especially in the middle of the field, they can move the ball pretty quickly on us. So I think the receivers are going to continue to play that prevent style. Not necessarily. I mean, they're not going to be like, hey, you know, we'll, get, we'll give you 10 yards every play but they are going to let those short passes go and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the type that are going to recognize that and develop a game plan around it where it's really going to fall on our linebackers to be able to clog the middle of the field and keep things within five yards on on short dump off passes and things like that because if we just give up those quick slants um, and those running back passes I mean Jarek McKinnon might have had 47 receptions on us last week because we allow that to happen but if, if you know, we're probably going to continue to play that way, but the, the the Patriots are a lot different than the Falcons and the Vikings in that their main threats aren't necessarily the guys all the way on the sides. They have a lot up
0: the middle that they can do against us. Well, and you have a capable quarterback, too. You're not dealing with Case Keenum. So now you got Tom Brady back there when the Eagles take away certain things. You're not Case Keenum where you're like, oh, let me give it to McKinnon. Let me give it to McKinnon. He's going to be able to do a little bit more, and he's going to exploit your weaknesses. I think that's a good one. Um, I think for me, mine might be a little bit nitpicky, but I think – you kind of got to be when you're at this point and you're striving for greatness the way those Eagles are. Um, I love how loose this team is. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I think there's a fine line between being loose and being reckless, and that's the one thing I worry about. The bigger thing that I worry about a little bit, though, is mistakes. I think when you look at this team over the course of the season, not even just in the playoffs, but back even when Carson was there. like Take, for example um, – Take, for example, the Redskins game at home, that Monday night game, or take the Sunday night Cowboys game. This team makes a lot of mistakes early in games, and they make up for it later. Um, they did it against Atlanta. We had the fumble. We had the other fumble. We had, you know, just miscues all over the field, and we overcome it at the end, and they're triumphant, and they're great. Even look at uh, Minnesota. You come out, you give up, like, basically a drive where they just go right down your throat, right? And they, granted, you bounce back from that. Those are the types of things, though, I don't want to see mistakes yeah. against New England Patriots because Tom Brady's not going to, like, he, he's going to make you pay. And I think when you look at this Eagles team, they're a better football team top to bottom except for a quarterback, in, in my opinion. I mean, Zach Ertz and Gronk are a wash at this point. Their impact on the game, not just them as players. As players, Gronk's a better player. But their impact on a game, in my opinion, is a awash. Okay. And basically every other position is... Eagles win. Eagles have a better offensive line, better defensive line, better secondary, better linebackers, um, better running backs, um, better receivers overall. In my opinion, I'll take Alshon. More options, more weapons. Yeah, I mean, I love Cooks. I do. I think he's a great player. But quarterback's the only one. And the thing is, even coach right now. I mean, obviously, overall resume, I'm not going to put Peterson on Belichick's level. But when you look at what Peterson's done this year, I'm excited for that chess match. I don't think he's overmatched in this game from a coaching standpoint. I'm worried about miscues. I'm worried about, are we going to muff a punt? Is Jay Ajayi going to fumble the ball early in the game? Is Jalen Mills going to bite on a double move from Brandon Cooks and he gets cooked in the end zone?
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, mean, at the end of the day, that is something you have to worry about with the Eagles, and that's the one thing that the Patriots don't do. They don't make the obvious mistakes. Maybe we match up better on paper across the board, and maybe we have more talent throughout the positions, but they don't make those mistakes, and you know they're not going to yeah and the super bowl doesn't put them wide-eyed it's a,
0: it's another game for them yeah so i i think he hit it on the head well i'm looking forward to next week i think next week's show is gonna gonna be one for the books it's a super bowl pregame show and you know what we got to make the most of it because at this rate well let's not talk about next year yet yeah i'm ready for it uh you've been listening to the bank statement here for dave costa actually for alex Kalth, i'm dave costa Uh, Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, at thebankphl. What is it? At thebankphl. What is it? At thebankphl. Cool. Awesome. Uh, You can find us on iTunes. Uh, The Bank Statement is what you need to search to find us there. Um, Thank you, everybody. Our first show was pretty successful. Excited to see what this brings here in week two um, and what the weeks to come will have for us. Go Eagles. Rest up. Next week's a big one. Free meek. Free meek. Yes, sir.